In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Over the last um, two and a half or a little more years that I've been at Holy Trinity, um, I've run into um, a handful of people uh, who in this neighborhood are beginning a new church. Um, Ones or twos of them occasionally will stop by and they're interested in our building. And uh, one uh, couple came to our 6 p.m. service on a Sunday night. And uh, they were a young couple, and they, they seemed to know some of the music and sang along. I, I remembered that they didn't come to communion, and I sort of filed that away. And I thought, well, maybe they're Roman Catholic, and they're not really sure if they should or shouldn't, and so I'll, I'll be sure and, and check in with them afterwards. And so when I met them, I learned that they were a part of a new church, um, that God had spoken to them and others that they should create a new church on the Upper East Side, And they were curious if we might want to uh, rent them space so that they could worship here somewhere. And so I I told them, well, I I didn't think so, actually, because it seemed a little strange uh, to be renting space to another church when we we have our own services. Um, And they didn't quite seem to see anything strange about that at all. And so then I said, you know, I don't mean to be rude, But why do you suppose God would want you to create a brand new church in exactly the same part of town where there are a number of churches already? Um, And people could probably really use your help and your energy and your youth, and you could contribute to the ongoing life of an existing church. And they didn't seem very comfortable with that question. And one then said, well, you know, we'll, we'll ask our pastor. Uh, maybe he can give you a call. And then they left, I think, as soon as they could. <clears throat> maybe we all, from time to time, want to create our dream church. Um, I think if I were given the opportunity and grabbed a couple of people like me, we could find a coffee shop or um, a bar on a Sunday morning or a tent, and we could create our own church. It would be people who agree with us and look like us and, um, and sort of want to grow in God the way we think we ought to be growing in God. It's interesting, whenever I've met these folks who are planting new churches, um, the ones I've met anyway are always young, white, prosperous, and full of confidence. I think God calls us to a larger understanding of church. God calls us into communion and community with people who are different from us, with people that sometimes trouble us, with people who challenge us. Because if I'm always looking in the mirror, I'm only going to see one image of God that looks a lot like me. But when I'm forced to confront another image that might turn me upside down in what I previously thought God might look like or how God might move, that's when I begin to grow as a person of faith. The scriptures today all sort of work in their various ways to show us a little bit of God's vision, of God's dream for God's called and gathered people These scripture readings today remind us of the the broadness, the expanse, and the, the array which is to be the church of Jesus Christ. 
Paul's letter to the Ephesians gets right to the point, though admittedly Paul writes in terms that may sound strange to us today, I doubt you got up this morning and thought, well, I hope I hear a good sermon on circumcision today. But Paul uses that term. He talks about the circumcised and the uncircumcised. What he's doing is using shorthand for a conversation about Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles being everyone who is not born Jewish. And so by the time of the letter to the Ephesians, this early church, this gathering of of people who follow the way of Jesus, was a mixed bunch of people. Some had been born as Jews. They had lived their lives as religious Jews, and then they decided to follow Jesus. But others came from a whole different background. Some were Greeks. We, we get snapshots of some of these people in the Gospels. The Ethiopian eunuch, Cornelius the centurion, people from various backgrounds. And so what Paul is dealing with is people who have been lifelong Jews, who've always followed the rule book and lived a good and holy life as, as uh, the customs of Judaism dictate, and then other people who maybe didn't know a thing about Judaism and certainly hadn't followed all of the prescriptions, such as men being circumcised or, or women lighting the candles on the Sabbath. And so Paul is trying to deal with this mixed assortment of people. We might run into it in our own day when you you visit a church or or perhaps in in another church you encounter someone who's a a lifelong Lutheran or a lifelong Presbyterian or sometimes we'll hear the term a cradle Episcopalian. I do hope the cradle Episcopalians have grown beyond the cradle. But it means that they've been an Episcopalian ever since they were in the cradle. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of identity. It's a wonderful identity, unless it's off-putting to someone who's coming for the first time. And then it's a thing to be careful about, so that everybody understands that we're all new in Jesus Christ every time we walk in the door. And that's what Paul's trying to convey to his his congregation in Ephesus. It's that atmosphere that Paul preaches. You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. Paul goes on to write with assurance to the newly joined, the newly converted. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Paul says we're all one household. And if you go to Israel today and you you see an archaeological site of what an ancient household might look like, you'll see what was originally the house and then added on to when someone got married and then added on to again when they needed more space. And this house would be added on to again and again and again until finally a little village is there and finally a whole city is there. That's the image Paul is suggesting 
that with each new addition, each new room we add on, uh, people are involved and become part of it. It doesn't matter if you like the person next door. It doesn't matter if you have anything in common with them. It doesn't, re- it doesn't really matter whether they bring something new to the household. What's matter is we're all family. That's the image Paul is trying to convey. Our Old Testament reading warns that there will be those leaders who will seek to separate and divide. And some will attempt to scatter the flock and drive them away. But God will create a remnant, a remnant of those who follow God. And this remnant from every land will come home one day. Among this new family, there shall be no fear and not one will be missing. That's the image we hold on to. That God is with us, bringing us with others who seek truth and love in the name of God in the presence of Christ. In the gospel today, I wonder if we don't get a, a little bit of insight into Jesus wrestling with his humanity. It looks like he's tired. He's, he's gotten uh, used to preaching to one crowd and then his disciples are worn out. And so he suggests to them, let's get away. But you heard what happens when they get to the new place. People have heard they're coming. And there's an even larger crowd waiting to hear Jesus and see Jesus there. It's as though Jesus thinks for a minute or two, this is too much. These are too many people. I'm not called to all of these. Jesus says as much to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He tells her he's not called to to deal with Gentiles and foreigners. But then in that conversation, she helps him understand that he is, in fact, called to everyone, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles and the newcomers as well. God keeps sending more people to Jesus. God expands the word, the appeal, the message, and the healing. And then God gives Jesus the power he needs to keep on. God does that with each of us as well. God keeps expanding our vision so that we almost might feel a little overwhelmed by it. But then God always and everywhere gives us what we need. Yesterday afternoon, we helped with a wedding in this space. I was sort of the, the, um, the acolyte uh, with a, a buddy priest who's from California, was, was marrying someone who's originally from New Jersey. Anyway, there are all sorts of connections that we, we celebrated yesterday. And at one point, I walked out front a little before the wedding, and folks were getting together for our Saturday afternoon dinner. And one of our local characters that some in this room would know, um, an older woman who comes to the Saturday dinner every, every Saturday, and she can be difficult, and she can sort of let you have it if she doesn't like the food or doesn't like the way people treat her. Um, but she was sitting there on the bench. And I went out and saw her, and she yelled at me, and I yelled at her, and I told her, I said, you know, if you grab somebody, we can have a double header with the wedding. And she laughed, and she said, no, no, I don't have any man. And I said, well, what about this guy sitting next to you? He'll do. And she said, no, no, he's married. Come meet my new friend. And so sitting next to this woman who comes to our neighborhood dinner, I'm not sure if she has a place to live or not. She's one of these people that's sort of homeless or quasi-homeless. It's hard to tell. Um, But next to her was one of the preppiest men I've seen all week long. He looked like he'd been transplanted from Martha's Vineyard. Um, You know, Bermuda shorts with little red lobsters on them, the whole thing. And this was her new friend. 
And so as I was introduced to this man who already has a wife, so he couldn't marry her, um, he explained that he has just bought an apartment in this new, really expensive high-rise. I was thrilled beyond words that he was sitting on our bench talking to one of the poorest of the poor and enjoying Saturday afternoon. Uh, Some of us worry about the changes in Yorkville and what will some of the new buildings bring. Um, But this man and his friendship with our friend was, was a sign of hope, I think. It was a sign of possibility. It was a continued reminder of one of the many ways this church, this building, our garden, our meal, our mission, all sort of works to God's glory of bringing people together, sometimes clashing, but often in conversation and in what approaches Holy Communion. That is our calling as a people of God, especially in this place. As we move into September, you'll hear me talking more and more about a program called Renewal Works. I've written about it in our newsletter. But Renewal Works begins by asking everyone to take a survey. Uh, We dress up the survey with language, calling it a spiritual life inventory, because it's, it's more than a regular survey. But it's an interesting thing that asks you to sit and answer questions kind of about your, your spirituality, your faith. Um, why do you bother on a Sunday morning to come to a place like this? What are you looking for? Um, are you finding it, or are there other things you're not finding? These are some of the questions that come from this survey. And so I'm going to, to talk about it, to pray about it, to nag about it. And as we move into September, I'll encourage everyone to, to take this survey, because from that, we'll develop a vision of who we are and who we want to be. Um, To what extent should the Church of the Holy Trinity be everything for everyone, or should we focus on a few things that we're really good at and not worry so much about the other things? There's no right answer, but we can come to that answer together through prayer, through this process, among others. You'll hear more about that later. When I think about these scriptures today, I think of a story my friend and mentor Martin Smith tells. Um, Father Smith is a retired priest in Washington, D.C., and he talks about one Sunday when he was preaching at uh, St. Columba's Episcopal Church, and he noticed over on the side there was a little boy who would high-five his mother. Throughout the service, there were various times where he would do a high five with his mom, and his mom was right there, never leaving him hanging. And then Martin noticed that there was a pattern to it. It seemed to be at the end of prayers, they would high five. So he was curious, and after church, he saw the woman at coffee hour, and he he said, you know, I just have to ask you, what is this thing that you and your son are doing all through worship? She first was worried that that she'd offended, and she said, oh, I hope it's not a problem or a distraction. And Martin said, no, 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 I'm just curious. And she said, well, at this point, it's our way of, of participating. And she said, but it began a little while back when we would say a prayer, and at the end, there would be amen. But my little boy heard what he hears at soccer practice. I'm in. And so he thought at the end of the prayers, everybody was saying, I'm in, high five. (laughs) What a perfect understanding of amen. I'm in, you're in, that little boy's in, everybody's in. That's the whole point to our prayer, to our worship, to our being together. We're all in this. 
and there's room for a whole lot more. Whether it's the worldwide community of believers who are trying to get along, or the Episcopal Church, or a local parish like this, the good but sometimes difficult news of the gospel is that all are in. All are welcome. It doesn't matter if you're a lifelong Christian, a lifelong Episcopalian, or if you've just begun to think about who God might be for you, you're welcome. The scriptures remind us that God spreads a table before us in the presence of those who trouble us. God anoints us with holy oil and fills our cup until it's overflowing. God's goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're in each one of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.